Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I know this is a rhetorical question, but we'll ask it anyway. Does anybody enjoy food? All right. Just make sure we're all on this. You're listening. That's good. You're listening. Many restaurants and food product companies spend a great deal of effort, and rightfully so, to protect their assets and their ability to make money. They, they try and keep their recipes secret. So KFC, they have a secret recipe. Doesn't that look great? 11 herbs and spices that they're secret. It's kind of their secret that uh, there's something about the way they put them together. There's the Raisin Cane's sauce. Does anybody like the Raisin Cane's sauce? Praise God. Thank God for that sauce. And then probably regarded as the most closely guarded and best kept secret is Coca-Cola. The secret formula for Coca-Cola represents over 125 years of history. The secret formula is written on a piece of paper, a little piece of paper that is kept in a vault in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, our family happened to have a chance to visit the world of Coke last week, and we got to visit the vault. And uh, there's an alarm that guards the secret formula. And you can see the vault there. You can see him standing in front of the vault. (laughs) Not surprisingly, Kristen set off the alarm. (laughs) I mean, whatever. Before they opened it up for you to take pictures, they clearly stated, there's a line. Stay away from the line or an alarm will sound. My knowledge, we were the only ones to set off the alarm. As we observed the history and operations of Coca-Cola, one element stood out to me about its guarded secret. They said the power of its secret formula is in the fact that its formula cannot be recognized because the ingredients are so perfectly balanced and blended that all the ingredients have lost their identity. That's what they say. But I want to speak today on this subject, the secret formula. She was desperate Her husband was well-known to the prophet Elisha, and he was known to be a good man, one of 7,000 who didn't bow his knee to Baal. But now he is dead, and he was a good man. Nothing he did was wrong. What's understood is that he was so good, in fact, that He had done his best to supply the needs of his family and support the work of the ministry. 
It is even believed that it was his commitment to the work of the Lord that played a large part in what would be her struggle. And that struggle was that when he passed away, she faced a mounting debt. This widow's husband, who many scholars and Jewish historians suggest was Obadiah, this was a man who loved the work of God. He wasn't somebody who just squandered his money and got them into debt. He had taken his own money and spent it in support of the prophets of God that had gone into hiding in a cave to escape the sword of King Ahab. His commitment reminds us of the stories of those who hid and fed the Jews during Hitler's occupation of Europe and the operation of the death camps. Those who did so, to do, they did it at their own peril and at their own expense. This was this widow's husband. Obadiah had supported 50 prophets for a long time, buying them food and drink as they hid in the cave. And it appears that when he passed away, that now his widow was stuck with the debt. She was stuck with the bill. But she wasn't just stuck with the bill. She was stuck with a desperate situation. Not only had she lost her husband, but she now faced the loss of her sons to slavery. The cupboards in her kitchen were bare. The closets were empty. Everything that could be sold was sold. There was a daily or every other day knocking on her door from the debt collectors. And she had scrapped everything together that she could She could hold no more yard sales. All the tools had been sold, all the appliances, all the cars, all the furniture, all the computers. Every possession she had was gone. And she knew that the only thing left to happen now was that her sons would be sold into slavery to pay back what she owed. So we pick up this story in 2 Kings chapter 4, and it tells us a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she says to him, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. The cupboards were bare except for this one little jar of oil. The jar didn't have much in it, a vessel that might have started nearing empty. There's really nothing special about what was in the jar, just some oil, no special sauce, no special formula, just a jar 
with some standard oil, probably just one ingredient. To her, in a desperate time, it didn't seem like much. But oil was, in fact, a precious commodity. It was a valuable staple of the economy because it was used in different ways. It was used as a sort of cosmetic. From the earliest times, oil was used to help with the limbs and to help wash the face and to help when the traveling through the dry, arid places to provide some relief for the skin. And many times it was scented. This oil that she had also would have been used for medicine. And back in ancient times, in Egyptian literature, tells us the medicinal use of oil and its value as a remedy to sickness. This oil would have been used as food. Olive oil was like butter in a the diet of the people of the Mediterranean countries. And when food like cake was prepared from ordinary bread dough, they put oil on it and sprinkled different herbs before baking. This oil would have been used as light. It would have been used to maybe help light a candle in a dark house in Palestine. So this little jar of oil... The only thing she has left came with a lot of possibility, but to her wasn't too significant. But it was the only thing in her world. She had nothing according to what she told the prophet. I have nothing but a jar of oil. And it was the only thing that provided protection from the elements. It was the only thing that provided healing for the wounds. It was the only thing that provided sustenance for her body. It was the only thing that provided light for the darkness. But the possibility of the oil was concealed by her reality. How long would it last? What would the best use of the oil be in times like these? Times are running out. Time is running out. And these are desperate times. And maybe today you relate with this woman. You find yourself in desperate times. I am preaching this morning and I felt the word desperate on my heart. I am preaching this morning to someone who is desperate. You may be flailing And you may be failing in life. Things aren't turning out quite like you thought. It wasn't that you've just done a bunch of wrong, but things just aren't going the way you wanted. The emotional cupboards in your life are bare. You are stretched thin by pressures that surround you. You are hungry for more. You are anxious, Brother Danny, and afraid. You are lonely and confused. You are heartbroken and absolutely desperate. And you may feel that peace is a distant, out-of-reach reality. And you're looking for some secret formula. 
And you've tried a lot of things to try to answer all those questions, but the secret eludes you. It's as if it's put in some vault somewhere that it's untouchable, that the answer to my issue is untouchable. But I want to tell you something today that the prophet realized. And that's what he told her. He said that what you have in your house is enough. That what you have in that little jar is enough. That little jar of oil that didn't seem like much. Let me tell you today, like the prophet said, it is enough. That oil that is made up of olive oil, it's just one ingredient. It might not seem like a lot, but it is enough. Can I remind somebody today that if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've been filled with the Spirit, it might not feel like a whole lot right now, but it is enough. It is enough. It is enough. Oh, hallelujah. If you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and your heart has been lit by the fire of the Holy Ghost, can I tell you, it's still enough. Oh, hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter four says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessel. And maybe at this point in your life, it doesn't feel like much. And you've come to church with not a whole lot, but just a little jar that has a little oil. I've come to tell you, like the prophet said, it is enough. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the oil, when you receive the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Spirit is on us. Oil is a type of the Spirit of God. In scripture, and when you receive the Holy Spirit, can I submit today? You receive a spiritual cosmetic. When you walk through dry times, it protects you from the elements and it protects you from the lies and deception of the enemy. Can I tell you, it is enough. The Bible calls it the oil of joy for mourning. Literally, it changes your countenance. It changes who you are. It changes your identity. Oh, hallelujah. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, can I remind you that you receive medicine. You receive a balm. You receive ointment that soothes the soul. And it can bring healing to the wounds of your past. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive food. You receive the oil that will sustain the hunger and appetite for your soul. The Bible calls it a living water. It's something that soothes the soul. And when you receive the Spirit of God, you receive the ability to find light. Jesus said the Spirit of truth has come and he will guide you into all truth. That when you came into this room today and you came and thought it was all messed up and broken and empty, but you carried a little vessel in here that had a little oil in here, I tell you, I want to tell you, it is enough. It is enough. It is enough. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, give me a moment here. How do you receive this spirit? 
If you've come in this room today and you're not sure what I'm talking about or you're kind of uh, a little bit hesitant about what I'm saying, let me, let me help you understand what a lot of people have already experienced in this room. The Bible says that we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Literally, it means the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 38, he said, if you want to receive the Spirit, you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you will receive, he said, the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This spirit is for you today. If you have not received the baptism of the spirit, it is for you today. How do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First, we repent. We put our faith and our confidence in Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews said it like this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if you want to receive this spirit today, you've got to simply believe that he is, that he is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ died on the, on the cross for your sins. And you've got to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and so if you've come today and you're desperate and you feel like you're looking for a secret formula, I want to tell you today that the Messiah is here. The one who holds the world in his hands is here. And he wants to baptize you, literally immerse you with his spirit. And so we realize that in order for this to happen, we have to surrender our hearts to him. We have to acknowledge that he is, and then we've got to seek him with everything that we have. Hebrews chapter 12, after he says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of him, them that diligently seek him. Verses later in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you're looking for hope today, Jesus Christ is what you're looking for. But in these times, in what you're going through, it might not seem like much. In what you're walking through, this oil doesn't seem like maybe it'll be able to solve the problems. Preacher, thanks for the explanation of the Spirit of God, but I have bigger issues than some kind of weird experience where I speak in another language that's going to solve the issues in my life. But I challenge that a little bit today, because if you only knew, because if you only knew, that inside of this vessel that you and I represent today, 
There's a space, I believe, in our hearts and minds that's reserved for the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that the candle of the Lord, or the candle of man is, is of the Lord. The Lord owns uh, uh, mankind. Help me with the scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is the candle of man. And so we realize that it represents this space and time. This space in our life represents an opportunity for you to have something in your life. And it may not seem like a whole lot compared to everything else in your world. But I tell you today, it is enough. Because Colossians 1.25 tells us that inside, when we receive his spirit, that there's hope in us. That Christ in us, the hope of glory. And you're looking for hope around you. You're looking for something to grab hold of with hope. And I'm telling you, it's in here. You're looking for love and you're looking for joy and you're looking for peace. And the Bible tells us that the fruit of the spirit, that when it comes, it comes with love and it comes with joy and it comes with peace. You're looking for life. You're looking for something that excites you. The Bible tells us that he, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That what you're looking for is found in his spirit. What you're looking for is found in a little jar. He says, Jesus said, you're looking for help. You're looking for somebody to help you. The helper, the Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. You're looking for wisdom. You're looking for answers. Can I tell you, it's in here. You're looking for power. You're looking for something that makes a difference in your life. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See... This prophet, he comes to this widow and he says, you don't think you have a whole lot. You're trying to answer all these questions and figure it all out. But there in your house, in a little jar, is some oil. And today, if you have not been baptized with his spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues... Can I tell you, you're missing out on something really great. Because it is, it is what is empowering our lives that sit in this room who have been baptized with his spirit. It's what empowers us. It's what moves us. It's what helps us in difficult times. And we have difficult times. We have moments in our life where it feels like the cupboards are bare and we say, all I've got is a little oil. I don't have much. I don't have anything, but I'm telling you, it's enough. But here I want to preach to the Calvary Church now is the secret formula. Because here's what the prophet tells her. You found this jar. You found this oil. You found what you need to sustain just you. But let me give you a secret formula. He said, go. Borrow vessels from everywhere. 
from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. Do not gather just a few. He left it up to her how many vessels she wanted to bring in the house. You gather as much as you want to gather. You're in trouble right now, but let me give you a little secret formula. And it says in verse 4, And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour it into all those vessels, and set aside the full ones. So the scripture says, So she went from him, shut the door behind her and the sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. The oil that she knew would run empty. The oil that was just enough for her and maybe a little bit for her sons to survive a few more months as she begins to pour it into those vessels. It doesn't stop. It just keeps pouring. Give me another vessel. Pours it in. Give me another vessel. Pours it in. What is in here? What is this? What's going on with this oil? I don't know how it's working, but it's enough. Every time I find another vessel, it's poured into it and it's enough. Every time I I, I think I finished the last drop, there's somebody else that finds more oil in it. And I remind us, the Holy Spirit that's in you will not run out. Every time you tip over the jar and you begin to pour yourself out, it's not going to run out. See, people like to hold on to their spirit. They like to hold on to what God's done for them because they've given so much. They're so tired and they're so desperate. But I want to give somebody a secret formula today. Go ahead and pour out your life. Go ahead and pour out the spirit around you and watch that there's still enough. Every time you say yes to God, you're not losing oil. It's going to keep pouring out. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Every time she tipped over the the, the jar, every time she tipped it over, she had to put faith in it and say, God, I don't know how it's going to come out, but it's going to come out today. And I want you to understand today the secret formula to the oil continuing flowing. It's found in verse 6. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. I I need another vessel. This is awesome. Every time I'm pouring it out, give me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. The oil would not just be poured out on the ground or simply flow by itself. Because the oil was intended for a vessel. The formula to the power of God working in our lives is not that we just come together and pour out the spirit on the ground. It's that there's a vessel that we're looking for. 
God's wanting to work among us. God's wanting to do a mighty work among us. And he needs vessels. He needs vessels. He doesn't just need us to come to church and do kumbaya and sing together. He needs somebody to say, I need a vessel to pour my spirit into another spirit. I need my, I need somebody who will grab a hold of somebody and say, I've got something for you. The oil only multiplies when there is another vessel. That's the secret. If we want the power and presence of God in our midst, we've got to go get some vessels. The miracle kept going as long as there were vessels. Let me help us today. The scope of the miracle was in direct correlation to the number of vessels she could gather. The scope of the miracle was in direct correlation to the number of vessels she could gather. Therefore, we realize that the scope of the miracle was in direct correlation to the number of neighbors she had. She gathered vessels because she had relationships. The oil flowed because she had relationships. The secret formula was found in the ability to be in relationship with those who needed the oil. The vessels who were empty, those were the ones she gathered. She went to the neighbors. She knocked on their door and said, I need your vessel. But when she ran out of neighbors and she ran out of relationships, the oil stopped flowing. Because the purpose of the oil wasn't just to hang out in a container. The purpose of the oil was to be poured out on as many vessels as possible. Jesus said about the commandments, he said, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and with strength. This is the first commandment, but the second is like unto it. And that is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There's no other commandment greater than these, than finding a vessel that is in need of a savior, than finding a neighbor, somebody who is desperate for God. So the question for the Calvary Church today is who are you pouring into? For those who've been baptized with the Spirit, you've been poured into. You have this treasure in earthen vessel. But my question today is who are you pouring into? Who are you pouring into? In just a couple weeks, we're going to launch life groups. We're going to launch an opportunity for you to pour some oil into people's lives. And we can have whatever size miracle we want to have. 
It can be as powerful as we want to have it. We're going to have some amazing revival services in the coming year. But can I tell you today, it's going to be as powerful as we want to make it. We're going to have Friends Day in just a few weeks, and it's going to be as great as we want to make it. Our job is not to create the oil. Our job is to pour out the oil and find the vessels, find the vessels that are needing a touch from God. And so I feel passionate. I feel so passionate that we need relationships with people around us. That's why we do life groups. That's why we do them. If you ever wondered why, it's because we realize that the scripture tells us we have to be in relationship in order for the oil to flow. We have this treasure in earth and vessel. Why? 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are not the treasure. We are the vessel. We exist to bring the power of God to those around us. The idea is not for you to be in a life group to pour out your thoughts and ideas and concepts and your skills and your intelligence. But what really makes the difference in desperate times is the oil. It's the spirit of God in us. And so today, if you've been filled with the spirit of God, would you say amen? Amen. If you remember that moment when you were praying and you began to speak a language that you were never taught and you didn't even understand, would you say amen? amen? And here is why you had that experience. And here is why, if you're here today, you don't have it, that you need that experience. Jesus told us, he stood up in the synagogue after he'd been tempted. And they handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he says this. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me not to hold on to him. Not to walk around and make everybody look at me in awe. But Jesus said, no, the spirit is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the secret formula. If we want the Spirit of God to flow in our life, Jesus was not worried about losing out on the Spirit. He wasn't worried about the Spirit running out in his life. He understood that if I want the spirit to flow, I've got to find another vessel to pour it into my life. I want you to stand with me today. The secret formula, I believe, of this passage in Kings is found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3. And it simply says, 
Go. He said, go. Go. Go get the vessels from your neighbors. Go. Jesus said it like this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. But the commandment for us in this room today, for those who have been baptized with his spirit, is to go. I'm praying today. I'm praying for the power and presence of God to be strong in our life. These are desperate times and many of you are in desperate places and you're looking for answers. And of all the places you look, all the answers you're looking for, I wonder if maybe the answer to some of your anxiety, the answer to some of your help, the answer to some of your struggle in life is that all you keep doing is looking at yourself. And today, I'm suggesting that your answer might be in the very decision today to go. I feel it strongly. I feel it strongly today that some of you are so anxious in your mind. You're struggling with so many things, desperate times, desperate issues going in your life, and you are going, God, I barely have enough energy for me. I barely have enough spiritual intuition for me. There's no way that I can help anybody else. I argue the contrary. I argue the contrary, that what you need is not more prayer for yourself. What you need is not more help for yourself, because if you've received the spirit, it's in you. You might have to stir it up a little bit, but it's in you. You haven't lost it. It's in you. What you need to do is find a vessel where you can pour it out. I feel the Lord in this place. I feel the Lord in this place. I feel the challenge of the Lord in this place. It's time to pour out. It's time to find somebody to pour out what God's already done for you. I feel it today. Not the best message, but let me tell you what the secret formula is. It's not you just coming to the altar praying for the same thing over and over again. Because you're not well enough to pray for anybody else. It's time for the gifts of the Spirit to operate. It's time for you to go ahead and pour out what God's already done in your life to minister to somebody else. And when you do, and when you start pouring out, can I tell you, something happens. I don't know what it is, but there's a secret formula where it just fills back up. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands right now. We're going to pray first for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you need a refill of the Holy Ghost in this place, I want you to lift your hands. If you've experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're going to pray that you speak in tongues one more time. God, I pray you would baptize us. You would baptize us with the Holy Ghost. 
in the name of Jesus. That's it. I want you to pray until you're baptized. Pray until you speak in tongues. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.